Hello, strangers, and welcome to the Strange Horizons podcast for September 3rd, 2018. I'm your host and fearless leader, Anaya Lay. This week we have two stories, of which this is one of them. You are about to hear Nakusua by Blaze K. Blaze is a writer and programmer from KwaZulu-Natal, South Africa. His work has appeared in Nature, New Contrast, The Kalahari Review, and other venues. You can find him online at bomoko.net. Now, settle in. Let's begin. Nakusua by Blaze K. When she was four, he found her in the backyard, holding a brick unsteadily above her head, poised to bring it down on a small, heart-shaped clock he had bought her for her bedside table. It lay face-up, glass sparkling in the afternoon sun. "'Sorry, Baba. I wanted to see what's inside,' she said. So he took her to the garage where he kept his tools, and they dismantled it, carefully removing every minute spring and cog from the casing." almost a hundred pieces. She studied them for a moment and said, Oh, that's easy, and ran back outside to play on the grass. When she was eight, she would watch Sagan's Cosmos on Sunday afternoons. After the lives of the stars, she asked him to help tie a sheet to the post of her bed so that it hung about a ruler's length above the mattress. When she was satisfied that the sheet was sufficiently taut, she placed a ball in its center, thus deforming it. "'I want to show you about gravity,' she said, smiling. They spent the next hour rolling marbles and watching their paths twist around the apples, oranges, and golf balls she set up on their white cotton space-time. When she was eleven, her mother died. It was sudden and unexpected. She looked at her mother's scans and traced with her fingers the branches and finer tendrils that spread outwards from the tumor's central mass. She said that it reminded her of an orchid she'd seen in a book. He brought home a model rocket, a project to distract them from their loss, if only for a little while. When she was 17, he let her go for the first time. It's Stanford, Baba, she said, which settled it. They called every second weekend. She would tell him of what she was learning and building. He would close his eyes and simply listen to her voice, chuckling inwardly at the Americanisms creeping into her vocabulary and warming with pride when he had to ask her to explain something that was so far beyond him that he couldn't hope to understand. When she was 27, he let her go for the second time. She called to tell him she was coming home, that she'd be flying into Harare as soon as she could. He changed the sheets in her bedroom, bought a leg of lamb for roasting, 
and the next day she was there. As evening settled, it was cooler outside, so they sat near the birdbath and wire mesh chairs. Baba, I was picked. She was leaving. She'd be one of the first. He insisted on driving her back to the airport and, after watching her plane take off, he sat in the parking lot for a very long time before heading home. It wasn't just America this time. It was much farther. When she was 31, he let her go for the last time. The initial phase was success, and they would be going to sleep soon. There was no chance of a phone call. That had been impossible before they'd even passed Mars. And so they sent each other messages, hundreds of them. Not a conversation, but a torrent of memories, of hopes, of anecdotes and advice, anything that came to them, anything at all. Leave nothing unsaid, or at least try. And then her last message, her goodbye. She would not get his response until after he was long dead. The old man had stopped by the makerspace to ask if they would mind helping him digitize some things. Stephen was surprised and flattered by the request. Lamak Muchitibaya's daughter was a big deal. They have to be perfect, Lamak stressed. I need them to be reproducible, printable, in 3D, you understand? Shouldn't be a problem, Stephen said. Then Lamak had shown him what he wanted to model. Okay, said Stephen. This might take a while. They met every Sunday for nearly four months, taking thousands of photographs, capturing millions of data points. Once done, they generated almost a hundred models. Minute springs, cogs, and screws. A digitized mess of old miniature machine parts. When she was 217, she woke from stasis to the twin sons of her new home. And a message. My daughter. My beautiful, clever girl. I always knew that you'd do something important. And I am proud, so proud. But it is hard without you. When a man has a daughter, his heart is no longer his own. And so I am sending you a heart, the heart you nearly broke, the heart we took apart together. Though you're impossibly far away, my heart is following, rushing after you at the speed of light, rushing to the only one who understands it, to the only one who can put it back together again. Dakusua. This story was first published in Fantastic Stories of the Imagination and was shortlisted for the inaugural NAMO Award for Best African SF Short Story. Welcome back. This was a very short story, but it packed a big 
punch. There were so many great images here, and what I love is that it doesn't ever explicitly tell you what's happening, but gives you enough of the pieces to assemble the big picture yourself. Which of course dovetails very nicely with the imagery around the disassembled and reassembled clock. What caught your attention about the story? Let us know wherever it is that you like to talk about short fiction, be that Twitter or in email or on review sites. And then make sure to come to the website and check out this week's other fiction story, which is Seedlings by Audrey R. Hollis. One last note before you go. Strange Horizons is an entirely volunteer organization, supported by donations from our fans and community. If you would like to support us, check out the donate link on the website. That's all for this week. Until next time, stay strange.